This is the Relic Radio Show, old-time radio entertainment still standing the test of time from RelicRadio.com. This is the Relic Radio Show, 60 minutes of radio drama you can find every Tuesday at RelicRadio.com. Our first story this week comes from Radio City Playhouse. We'll hear Betrayal, their story from August 30th, 1948. After that, it's Theater 5. And including murder, their broadcast from October 22, 1964. The National Broadcasting Company presents Radio City Playhouse, Attraction 9. Radio City Playhouse proudly presents Betrayal, another story by Ernest Canoy, author of Ground Floor Window and Whistle Daughter Whistle. Irv is played by Bernard Grant, and the production is directed by Harry W. Junkin. Here is Radio City Playhouse, Attraction 9, Betrayal. Streets look a lot different at four in the morning than they do in the daylight. I mean, it's quiet. You can't see the old papers and the orange peel in the gutter. I checked it off my beat about four. I got rid of the blue straight jacket at the precinct. It was heading for that nice, lumpy bed in my room. When I turned off 117th Street, I spotted this kid sitting on a curb leaning against a street lamp. I guess I look funny in cities or else he didn't hear me come up because he jumped about three feet. What do you want? Nothing. What are you doing here? Minding my own business. Oh, are fresh you? kid, ain't you? Where do you live? I forget. Ain't it kind of laid out for you? I got all night. Well, I haven't. Now, quit horsing around. Where do you live? Why don't you chase yourself around a block and holler fire? Get up out of there. Blow, bud. I said get up. Hey, let go of my arm, you big crumb. Why don't you pick on somebody your own size? Come on now, kid. You better get home. What's it to you? Look, you don't want to get into trouble. Go ahead. Call a cop. All I can do is take me downtown and shove me in the children's shelter. That don't bother me none. Know the whole story, don't you? Huh? Never mind. Well, how long do you expect to sit in the gutter? Look, mister, why don't you leave me alone? I didn't do you nothing. Well, you just can't sit there. Come on. Hey, let go. Where are you taking me? Look, if I'm going to argue with a pint-sized Humphrey Bogart, I'm going to do it over some breakfast. I'm hungry. Another all black. Uh, no sugar, Charlie. Throw one black. Well, kid, how about it? How about what? You. Where do you live? What's your name? Shiv. Shiv, huh? You carry one? Yeah. You can look. It snaps open. Hey, that's quite a frog sticker. It's legal. The blade's an eighth under four inches. I measured. That's why they call me Shiv, see? Because of the knife. I got my name on the handle on the other side. How about the rest of it? Shiv what? I forget that, too. One black herb. Hey, Charlie, 
You ever see this kid before? Me? No. He done something? He's got locked, sure. Locked, sure? What do you know? Look, kid. Shiv. I ought to turn you in so they take care of you down at the children's shelter. I wouldn't tell them nothing either. All right. Look, I'm crazy, but I'll make a bargain with you. If I put you up tonight, will you go home tomorrow? Well... It's that of the children's shelter. You'll be there for a couple of days at least. You wouldn't pull nothing, would you, mister? Oh, I'll give you Charlie here as a reference. Well, okay, it's a deal. Thanks. Come on. Oh, wait, mister. What now? How about a piece of that pie before we go? <laughs> okay. Hey, Charlie, two apple pies a la mode. Okay, inside. Gee, this ain't bad. You live alone? Solitary confinement. Yeah. Hey. What's the matter? You got a real icebox in the corner. It's empty, so relax. Here, you take the couch. Okay, by me. Boy. Hey, get off of there with your feet. What's the matter? My shoes wouldn't hurt nothing. That couch may have pansies on it, kid, but it don't need no fertilizer. Come on, off with the shoes. Ah. Uh... Okay. Now the other one. Hey, when's the last time you washed your feet? We went swimming last week down at 100th Street. Only a week ago, huh? Well, we unscrewed a hydrant last night. Should have seen it. Looked like Niagara Falls or something. I didn't take my shoes off. Yeah, I'll bet. They look like they grew there. Boy, guess I am tired. How about breaking down, Shiv? What were you doing on dawn patrol down there? It's my old man. If I don't get home by 10, he slams me with his belt. Figure it's better to stay away. It wouldn't occur to you to get in before 10, huh? That early? The gang's just starting. Some of the guys don't go home all night. And what keeps them that busy? Ah, you know. All sorts of stuff. Depends. Last night we were supposed to have a war. The Panthers, that's us, against the gang from the Bronx. We would have licked them hard. You got beat. Nah. Some lame-brained cop showed up blowing his brains out on a whistle. By the time we quit running, we couldn't find him again. Spoil the fun, huh? Sure. We had it all fixed. Uh-huh. Guys up on the roof with light bulbs, air guns, everything. We would have murdered them. And suppose somebody gets hurt? So they get hurt. Shorty had four stitches last week. He's a leader. The uh, Bronx gang get him? Yeah. Shorty was walking along, see, when he sees his kid from the Bronx all alone. It's a little kid. So Shorty jumps him. So naturally. Only them Bronx rats are hiding around the corner and boom, they're all over Shorty. That's the kind of dirty fighters they are. Filthy. They would have carved Shorty up good, only a cop came along and chased him. That was the first time he was ever glad to see a flatfoot. You, uh, don't like flatfeet. You kidding? i never seen a cop yet who wasn't yellow cleared down at the sidewalk. Uh-huh. All the time breaking up stickball. They never let anybody have any fun. Bunch of cross-eyed crumbs. I wouldn't trust a cop as far as I could throw a hippopotamus. Anyhow, what are you doing sticking up for him? Why shouldn't I? You think a guy like you would want to steer clean at the cops? What? Don't have to worry about me. I won't say nothing. Wait a minute. What are you talking about? I seen it when we come in the room. Seen what? Well, I figure nobody wants to get chummy with the cops when he packs a rod in his coat pocket. A rod? You... <laughs> What's the matter with you? <laughs> you thought I was, uh... Come here, Shiv. What is it? Take a good look in the closet. Holy smokes. One suit, blue serge, complete with brass buttons and badge. A cop. Commonly known as New York's finest. 
Shorty finds out I stayed with a cop, he'll take me apart. I won't tell him if you don't. They'll kill me, that's what. It'll be murder. Well, the kid finally scared himself to sleep. I guess he kind of felt like the lamb that lay down with the lion. <laughs> oh, he got plenty of tired for taking the taxpayers for eight hours, so it didn't take me long to fall asleep. I was dreaming of sidewalks made out of foam rubber when a shaft of light from the window hit my eye. I woke up just in time. Where are you going, kid? Just out. All right, kid, put it back. Huh? The watch put it back. What do you mean? What one? Mine. It's in your pocket. Do you put it back or take your pants apart? I wasn't going nowhere with it. Just stepping out in the hall to see what time it is. Oh, yeah, the, the light's better out there. Oh, kid, you've got enough brass to coat a four-post of bed. Hand it over. I was going to bring it back. Here, the cheap watch anyway. I'm sorry. Next time I'll have it gold-plated. What'd you want to do that for anyway? I ought to take it in. I just wanted to show it to Shorty and the rest of the guys. None of the Panthers ever swiped the cops watch before. Yeah, they're slipping. I'd have brought it back, like I said. Just wanted to show it around. Gee, I wouldn't swipe nothing from you. You've been okay for a cop. Shiv left the watch and beat it out the door like someone was chasing him. I looked in the closet to see if he lifted the badge off my spare blouse for a souvenir. Everything seemed to be there, so I went back to bed. That night before I went out on the beat, I stopped by the desk man, Sergeant Gold. He's kind of a stubby guy with gray hair. He looks like he might have pulled in Henry Hudson's sailors for disturbing the peace. Another day, another dollar. What do you mean, day? All right, night. What's the matter? You got trouble? Sure, all the time. If ain't a crap game up an alley, it's pulling a drunk out of the doorway before he freezes stiff. Eh, you can have the eight to four. I did, when it was four hours longer. Yeah, I know. You was in the force and they wore stand-up collars. What's eating you? Ah, nothing. Maybe that kid I picked up last night. Kid? You didn't bring in no kid. I put him on my couch for the night. Uh, He'd make a clam look conversational. What's his name? I don't know. He calls himself Shiv because he carries one big enough to slice steak off an elephant. Wait a minute. Is he a small kid that looks like an underdone weasel with long hair in his eyes? I would have been an alley cat. Yeah. Well, his old man gets hauled in here about once a month on a drunken disorderly. Oh. Name's uh, Walter or Walters or something. I could look it up. The kid comes down to pay his fine. Yeah, that figures. Well, so long. I got to go out and protect the taxpayers. <laughs> I checked out and started wearing my arches down on the concrete. Not much doing. Pull an old lady out from under a cab and shift her off to Lincoln Hospital. Uh, broke up a fight in Broadway. And about 11 o'clock, I turned down 120th Street. There was a bunch of kids sitting on a stoop. And I spotted Shiv on the top step and started over. I just wanted to find out if he got home all right, but somebody let out a yell. Hey, it's a cop. As far as I could see, they melted into the ground. About a half an hour later, I was passing that little alley next to the First National Bank. Hey. What the devil? It's me, Chip. 
What do you want? I wanted to explain about before. Thought you might be sore or something. About what? About me calling Chickie on you and run. Oh, I figured it was you. What was that? The Panthers General Staff? Sort of. You sure look guilty or something. What was up? Nothing. I was afraid you was coming over to talk to me. Ah. Well, what do I owe the pleasure of this too? I only wanted you shouldn't get sore. Don't have to get funny about it. All right, all right. I'm sorry. That's okay. Well, I gotta get going again. You wanna walk with me? Yeah. No, I, I can't. The Panthers? They wouldn't trust me none if they saw us. You understand that doesn't mean I don't want to. Okay, Shiv. So you're around. Sure, Earth. Earth? <laughs> Where'd you pick that up? I seen it on the back of your watch. It got to be kind of a habit. Shiv would wait in the alley and walk a couple of blocks with me. Only the kid was careful never to get seen under a streetlight. He was still afraid of being caught trading with the enemy or something. Once we was talking baseball or something, and Shiv must have forgot because we came around a corner out to Broadway. And across the street, the whole path of General Headquarters was spread over the stoop of 3427. They must have spotted us because the first thing I know, Shiv is holding on to my arm, hollering. Let go of me, cock. I didn't do nothing. I wasn't even touching him, but he broke away from me like as if I had a death grip on him. He waited for me outside the precinct station that night. Hey, hey, you're... Aha. Houdini, the escape artist. Oh, I didn't mean nothing. Did it go over big with the Panthers? It wasn't sore or nothing, was no, it? No, no, there's nothing I like better than being called a crumb. Unless it's a brass monkey. That ain't nothing. Practically a compliment. Take it easy, will you? I only said that to the Panther team. Like yelling, kill the umpire or something. Okay, we'll let the whole thing drop. You hungry? Yeah, sure. Well, come on. What's the matter? You're out late again. The old man's on another bat. Figure I ain't gonna walk in on him and have him think I'm a snake. Is he working? On and off. He ain't had nothing to eat in the house for a couple of days. Yeah, how about you? I do okay. You know, snitching stuff off the grocery store. Hey, you better not let me catch you lifting anything. You wouldn't turn me in, would you? I'm serious, Shiv. If you need money, you come to me, see? Well, I don't do it no more. I've been going up to my aunt's, see? Only she cooks like a cement mixer. You stay at your aunt's, see? I don't like that sticky finger stuff. Take it easy, Irv. I didn't take nothing big. Besides, I don't have to take that from you. What? Well, I mean, we're just friends or something, see? When you start handing me big-time advice, it spoils everything, like you was a teacher or a relative. Okay, if you want it that way. And besides, just because I figure one cop ain't so bad, it don't mean the rest of them ain't no good low-down crumbs. Sounds like a communique from the Panthers. Shorty made me a lieutenant. <laughs> a commissioned officer, huh? Congratulations. They only got two of them, me and Bernie. Okay, Lieutenant, here's Charlie's place. Unless you got scruples against eating with the enlisted men. <laughs> That's the way it was. The kids sort of tolerated me like I was his personal exception to the general rule about cops. After that, I couldn't get nothing off him. About what he did in the daytime, I mean. I guess he went to his aunt's for meals. I, I never asked him. Once, I tried to talk him out of the Panthers. Why don't you go dive in a sewer? You think I'm one of them milk-fed petunias that runs home to Mama after school? Look, I don't ask you to quit the cops, so you lay off the Panthers. So, I did. After that, the kid was even more careful. In case, perish forbid, anybody should see him with me. 
Once I offered to take him to the polo grounds when the Dodgers were in. You mean it? For the doubleheader? Sure, I'm a hot sport. I sneaked in last year to the stadium. There's a place around by the... Not anymore. They fenced that one in. Oh, the dirty crumbs. Money, man. They got a quaint idea you should pay to get in. Not me. It's against my principles. Yeah, I figured. Well, you want to go? Sure. Okay, I'll pick you up at the 8th Avenue subway, 116th Street. Ah. Well, what are you shaking your head for? Look, suppose I meet you up there on top of the bluff. Okay, okay. Far be it for me to damage your social standing, the top of Coogan's Bluff it is. I'll be wearing a white carnation in my buttonhole. Just whistle twice and give the password. Then for a while, I didn't see the kid. I got to looking for him in doorways, down alleys. I even checked the children's shelter downtown and the juvenile court. I didn't hear anything about him until one night when I came in off my hitch to sign out. It was pouring down, sheets of rain. I was sweating under the heavy raincoat and hood. I just got it off and started to stretch when Sergeant Gold called me over. Hey, are you? Come here a minute, will you? Sure, Sergeant. Hey, how do you get a desk job on a night like this? Never mind. Did you hear we had a warehouse cracked on 135th Street? Yeah? Karen spotted him and got himself shot in the leg. Hey, that's tough. How is he? Well, he's in Lincoln Hospital. He'll be all right. That ain't what I called you over for. They found this in the warehouse alley. A knife, huh? Got writing on the handle, Irv. Yeah. Yeah, I see. You want me to bring him in? Figured you'd know where to find him. Anything else? You don't mind. I mean, I could send somebody else. That's all right, Sergeant. I'll bring the kid in. I stood outside the station, watching the rain driving against the green lights. I didn't know where to find that crazy little jerk. Wasn't anybody much on the streets. A couple of cabs come by. Once in a while, somebody under an umbrella. I went over to the house where the kid lived. The landlady was scared, trembling when she saw me outside, and she let me in the room with a passkey. The kid's old man was lying across a cot, colder than a dead fish with a whiskey smell strong enough to walk on. I, I poked it with my nightstick. And he just muttered. Hey, hey, come on, come to. Go away, I'm sleeping. You're stiff. Come on, sit up. Hey, what, what's the idea? I'll... Now, I'll... stay up. Hey, hey, what is this? You a cop? Yeah. What do you want? I ain't done nothing. Where's the kid? Huh? The kid, the kid. What kid? For crying out loud, your kid, Shiv. Him? I, I don't know. Go away. Stay up there. Come on. Quit shaking me, will you? Where is he? Told you I don't know. What do you want him for? Oh, never mind. I ain't surprised. That kid's no good. No respect for his father, see? All the kids are no good. You don't know where he Whole is? Whole generation no good. Oh. See, in trouble, I'll beat the ears off a little no good devil. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll tear him apart. No respect for his father. You're sure you don't know where he is? I told you I don't know, and I don't care if he never shows up. Pain in the neck. Go on, let me alone. I'm going to sleep, see? Beat it. <laughs> I told the landlady to call the station if he showed up. It was beginning to show daylight when I got back on the street. I called into Sergeant Gold and went home. My feet hurt more than usual, and I... I guess I felt pretty rotten. 
I just about made it up to the stairs of my room and opened the door. Huh? How did you get in here? That lock wouldn't stop a campfire, girl. What'd you come here for? I just ain't seen you for a while, that's all. Yeah, yeah, I'll bet. How you been? Why don't you cut it out? What's the matter, Ken? A guy ask how you been? Shiv, I saw your knife tonight, that one with your name on the handle. You did? That's funny. I lost it a week ago. That's right, it dropped right out of my pocket they when They found I... that knife in a warehouse alley, Shiv. Right next to where a cop got shot. I lost it playing stickball, that's it. Oh, cut it out. What? It was the Panthers, wasn't it? They got pretty big. Decided to quit snitching bananas off of fruit stands. Graduated to a warehouse job, didn't they? Listen, Irv, I didn't want to go see. But I was a lieutenant. They would have said I was... I didn't want to go see. Who had the gun? Who did the shoot? I... I don't know. Yeah, you don't know. Remember, Irv, you told me to come to you when I was in trouble, you remember? Yeah. That's why I come. Irv, I only got one friend anywhere. That's why I come to you. Wait a minute. I gotta get out of town, Irv, before they find out. I gotta have some money. I'll pay you back. Honest, I will. I'll get a job somewhere. Lots of places hire kids. Hold on, Shiv. You're gonna let me to don't want you, Irv? Like you always said, if I needed anything... You shouldn't have come here, Shiv. I couldn't have gone home, Irv. The old man would have beat me up with an empty bottle and my Aunt Myra would have just prayed at me. I knew you'd help me, Irv. You got to. You shouldn't have come. You're gonna give me the dough, ain't you? Ain't you, Irv? Irv! I'm going to take you in, Shiv. No. I got to. Besides, if I don't, somebody else will. You see that, don't you, kid? It's the only way, Shiv. Let go of my arm. I got to. I should have known. Listen to me, Shiv. L- let go, I said, you low-down, stinking, good-for-nothing cop. I should have known, you cheap, crummy, no-good double-crosser. Shiv! What kind of a friend? Come to him for help and right away he squeals. What are they going to make you for this, an inspector or something? Calm down, will you? Let me tell you, I won't make the same mistake again. There ain't no cop living who ain't rotten right down through. I'll bet they make you a commissioner or something. You shut up a while and listen. I... I said listen. Maybe you think I like pulling you in for the juvenile court. Supposed to be a friend. Sure, a friend. What do you think my job is? You think I get paid for nothing? I'm supposed to see that nobody gets hurt in my beat. I'm supposed to pull people out of fights and make sure nobody gets mugged in the alleys. I gotta see that nobody cleans out a store when nobody's looking. You're breaking my heart. You think it's easy being a cop? It's a job like anything else and ain't such a good paying one at that. But, kid, it's the only job I got, and I gotta do it right. Maybe it's crazy, but that's the way I work. If I had maybe a thousand dollars... No, Shiv. No. You come a lot closer to making me forget the job than a cheap hood with a roll of dough. But I wouldn't do different if you were my own kid brother. You gotta go in. Can't you understand that? Cop, that's all. Once a cop, always a low down heel. And that gang... Next time the Panthers pull a job, maybe somebody will shoot straighter. There'll be a first-degree charge, and by that time, maybe you'll be old enough so you can end up in a regular court. What the devil kind of life is that? Can't you understand? Understand. I understand, all right. I thought there was one decent cop, a guy who'd stick by a friend, but... I was a sucker, see? I was wrong. I hope that flatfoot that got shot dies. I hope he dies, and I wish it was you. I went down a couple of days later to see the kid at the children's shelter. He was out playing basketball with the slower kids in for everything from truancy to armed robbery. I got in to see the social worker, and she talked to me a long time about Shiv. Only she called him Burton. Then they brought the kid into the office and left me alone with him. 
He just stood there a long time without saying anything. And finally, he got curious. Well, what do you want? I just come to see how you were. I'm fine, just dandy, so you can go. They caught Shorty and the rest of the Panthers. Most of them are in the Center Street Jail. So? Look, kid, do you need anything? I mean, a toothbrush or something? Nah, thanks. They treat you all right? Yeah, I guess so. A lot of questions. Look, the social worker told me you'd be up before Judge Carroll. Now, that's the lady judge. I'll have to be there, too, see? So between us, maybe it'll be all right. Don't do me no favor. Oh, what do you want to be so tough? Sometimes you get me so mad, I could... You sure you don't need anything? I'll make out. Okay, then. Goodbye. Shake? No? Okay. So long. Er. Yeah. Look. A kid in the yard. He told me. I mean, where they gonna send me? They gonna keep me there all the time? Oh, no. Not too long, I guess. This kid said they throw away the key, see? He told me they beat the ears off you all the time. Would they do that, huh? The kid, he'd been up before. He, he told me. He told me that. I don't want to stay there all the time, Er. Oh, hey, take it easy. It ain't that bad. I've seen it up there. I wouldn't tell nobody else. I'm scared, Herb. What are they going to do to me? You'll be okay, Shiv. You'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I guess I can take it. I gotta go, kid. Yeah. Irv. Yeah? You can... I mean... If you want, you can write me a letter. Oh, sure, sure, Shiv. We'll make a lot of plans for later. I mean, for after. Yeah, I know. Only, don't give the police station for a return address. No? I wouldn't want the other guys to know I was getting letters from a cop. How it is. Shiv is upstate at the state school. He writes to me about once a month, grubby, tough letters, and I send him stuff. The other day, Sergeant Gold called me over to the desk at the station. Hey, Irv. Yeah? I got a check here for you. A check? It's a reward from the insurance company for catching the warehouse thief. Oh. hundred bucks. A hundred bucks. Don't you want it? You know what I feel like, Sarge? Judas. That's what. Judas. You gonna cash it? No. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll keep it. I'll keep it for Shiv. A hundred bucks is a hundred bucks. Even if it is blood money. You have just heard Betrayal, as written by Ernest Kenoy and directed by Harry W. Junkin. The part of Irv was played by Bernard Grant. Shiv was Edwin Bruce, age 12.
Other players included Arthur Q. Bryan and Alan Stevenson. The music was composed and conducted by Dr. Roy Shields. Radio City Playhouse is supervised for the National Broadcasting Company by Richard P. McDonough. Next week, the story of Michael and Margaret, the story of their dreams and their love, entitled King of the Moon by Joseph Shule. We warmly invite you to join us next Monday for Attraction 10, King of the Moon, on Radio City Playhouse. If you were a loving wife, what would be the worst news you could get from a private detective about your husband? Is that right? You'll have another thing coming when you hear Including Murder on Theater 5. If there's something to what you suspect, you're better off knowing about it. I must ask you a couple of questions. Of course. The woman's name. It'll simplify my investigation. I don't know her name. Any idea where she lives? No. What about a, a description? No, I, I haven't seen her. You've never seen this other woman? No. No. But you're sure it's another woman? Oh, what else can it be, Mr. Norman? When you're married to a man for ten years and all of a sudden he changes, begins to act evasive, is annoyed with me, secretive, neglectful. Well. Most likely, Mrs. Bennett, what you suspect is completely untrue. I don't feel bad about coming to see me. It'll be worth it if what I find out relieves your mind. You're very kind, Mr. Norman. A photograph of your husband will help. Oh, yes, I have one in my bag. And his place of business? It's the Inter-Allied Import-Export Company. And William is the vice president. They're in the Atlas building. I'll call you at your home the minute I have something to report. Hi. Oh, hi. I've been on pins and needles looking out my window waiting for you to get home. Naturally. I no sooner turn away than you pull right into the driveway. Oh, well, come on in, Jenny. I... I had to go into town for a while. Margie, what's today? Hmm? What day is it? The big day, Margie. Now, don't tell me you've forgotten. Our anniversaries. Oh, is it today? Oh, usually the husbands forget. Yes. I'm so sorry. It completely slipped my mind. Hmm, well, don't apologize. This is no day for apologizing. The night is for celebrating. 
Ken picked up four theater tickets for tonight. Now, I want you and William to join us. Oh, oh first dinner, then... Oh, now, please, Margie. We have something good to celebrate. <laughs> you know, I never lived next door to a neighbor before who happened to be married the same year and day I was married. Now, come with us tonight. Oh, Jenny, it isn't me, you know that. You're very kind to invite us. But you also know that I am never sure lately when William gets home. Well, call him right now. Before anyone else has a chance to... Go ahead. Say it, Jenny. Before someone else has a chance to make an appointment with him. For... Oh, I, I didn't mean it that way. I meant that... The devil with what I meant. Come out with us tonight. It'll do you both a world of good. Well, it'll certainly do me a lot of good. And it might even have the same effect on the That a girl. Now get on that phone and... Well, excuse me. Hello? It's me, Margie. Oh, William. I was just going to call you. Forget about dinner for me tonight. Did you hear what I said? I heard. Business appointment. Oh, aren't there any times during the day when you can make business appointments? I'll be quite late, so don't wait up for me. All right? No, it is not all right. Jenny is here with me. She and Ken invited us to dinner and the theater tonight. I can't tonight. But it's our anniversary. Marjorie, I'm sorry. I just can't make it tonight. But Jenny already has the tickets for I us. I can't help that. Tell her to mind her own business anyway. Are you sure that yours is only a business appointment? I'm sorry, Jenny, but these are the facts of my married life lately. You know, it's an awkward time, Mrs. Bennett, but I thought it'd be better for you to come to my office rather than for me to go to your home. I understand, Mr. Norman. Please sit down. Well, I, I don't mind standing. Uh, please, Mrs. Bennett, sit down. You sound pretty ominous. Do you know a man by the name of Ed Garson? No. He's short, dumpy, very mean face. You can't mistake him. Neither the name nor the description rings a bell. Would your husband know such a man? Well, perhaps. Certainly, I don't know all of my husband's business associates. William did call me earlier to say that he had a... Business appointment tonight. Well, I'm talking about an afternoon meeting, Mrs. Bennett. It took place... Uh, let me read from my notes. William Bennett left his office at the Atlas Building, 2 p.m., took a cab to South Street. South Street? That's a terrible section. It is, Mrs. Bennett. I followed your husband into a bar on South and Willow Street. Mary was met by Ed Garson. Mr. Norman, just what are you getting at? I wish I could be absolutely sure. Well, what does that mean? Well, knowing what I do about Ed Garson, I can't imagine your husband having any business dealings with him other than... Other than what? Something illegal. Do you mean criminal? Not the way you mean criminal, Mrs. Bennett. Ed Garson is a professional gunman. He has a reputation as a hired killer. Unless I'm completely off base, your husband hired Ed Garson to kill someone. Maybe you. How much do I owe you, Mr. Norman? Consider what I say seriously, Mrs. Bennett. How much do I owe you? At least consider the possibility. Did you hear their conversation? No, I, I couldn't get close enough for that. But I did see your husband diagram something on a piece of paper which Garson put in his pocket. 
I also saw your husband give Garson some money. Uh, don't ignore these facts, Mrs. Bennett. No matter how incredible they may sound, your life might depend Here, on... Here, this ought to satisfy even you. Is your husband home, Mrs. Bennett? No. Didn't I pay you enough, Mr. Norman? May I come in, please? I have nothing more to talk to you about. But I have something more to talk to you about. Well, come in if you must. Hmm. Lovely room, Mrs. Bennett. It's comfortable. Yes. Doesn't that rifle over the mantel look a little out of place in here? William used to enjoy hunting. He keeps it there in case of burglars. Loaded? Well, I think so, yes. Mr. Norman, there was no need for you to come here. I thought that we had finished our business to your satisfaction. Not at all to my satisfaction. You paid me too much for one thing, and... The more I think about what I've seen and what I see now, the more I'm convinced you need police protection. Oh, Mr. Now, Norman. listen to me. You said your husband had a business appointment tonight. I did. Well, I got to thinking maybe you'd made a mistake. Maybe he said afternoon and you thought he said tonight. It's just possible. So I was willing to change my mind about the purpose of his afternoon meeting with Garson simply on the basis of a misunderstood word, which is why I'm here now. Believe me, I was hoping to find your husband home, but he isn't, and I'm convinced now he won't be. I wish Because he you... arranged with Garson not to get home until after... Mr. Norman, please. Can't you understand I saw your husband make a deal with a professional gunman? Open your eyes, Mrs. Bennett. Garson's no thief, no gambler. He's a killer. Oh. It's his business. Can you think of any other reason, business, social, or otherwise... Why, a man like William Bennett meets a man like Ed Garson secretly and in the worst part of town? You are very kind to be so concerned about me, but I just... Why? Why would William want such a thing done to me? Is he in some kind of trouble? Well, not that I know of. Money, perhaps? I don't think so. What about insurance policies? Well, we have them on both our lives. How much? Oh, $50,000. But this is fantastic. A good friend of mine is on the police force. No. Now, absolutely no. How can you suggest such a thing? William has a responsible position with his company, and I can't jeopardize his position. But you can put your own life in jeopardy. Well, I don't believe it. I won't believe it. I'll have a talk with William. Maybe too late for talking. Let me call I him. said no, Mr. Norman, and I mean no. And I insist that you do not go to the police. I can't promise that. All right, Mr. Norman. I hired you. I'm hiring you again. You keep that money that you were going to return to me. And now I am entitled to your professional silence. Please don't tie my hands this way. I insist. I will settle this matter with my husband in my own way. I'll keep phoning you. Well, I would rather you didn't. I am grateful for your kindness and your concern, but there must be some other explanation. I wish I could feel that, Mrs. Bennett. Well, up, Mr. Norman. At least you were right about one thing. It is not another woman. Doing with that rifle? I, I, I'm 
thinking of cleaning it. Now? No, uh, later. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll leave it here by the fireplace for now. You're, uh, you're home early. Yes, uh, I, uh, I got through sooner. Have you eaten? No, uh, uh well, yes, uh, I'm not hungry. Uh, what time is it? 8.30. William, what's wrong? Well, what should be wrong? Sit down, please, will you? I'm glad you're home early. I want to talk to you. About what? About us. Why? Oh, I'm sorry I hung up on you this afternoon, and I, I, I'm very sorry about the anniversary. Well, maybe it's just as well. We've got a chance now to talk to each other. Well, I'll be right back. Where are you going? I'll get some cigarettes. But I thought you gave up smoking. Well, I, I did, but... Oh, William. William, you're so tense. Please, what's wrong? Nothing. Nothing is wrong. Oh, yes, something is wrong. Please, will you confide in me, William? I know we haven't been as close as a husband and wife should have been in these past few months. And I'm not blaming you as much as I blame myself. I can't remember when I've called you dear or darling. It's always been William. That sounds pretty cold, doesn't it? Now, I know that you're in some kind of trouble. I can see that you are, and I want to help. Please, dear, don't turn me away now. <laughs> Margie. Why haven't you talked this way to me before? Yes, yes, I'm in trouble, a lot of trouble, but bad trouble. I've been going crazy trying to figure a way out. Is it another woman? Another woman? No, no. What makes you say that? Well, then it's only money. And if it's only money, darling, then that's nothing. $30,000 worth of nothing I stole from the company. $30,000. Why? What for? Gambling and losing. Nothing but losing and losing. It's been like a nightmare. I kept telling myself I'll just borrow this much and that much and just this much more. I was going to put it all back. But everything I bet on went sour. Now I'm scared. I can't keep the auditors from finding out. I lose everything. Everything I worked so hard for. But why gambling? What else was there to do? I, I, don't, I don't mean it that way anymore, Marty. Now that you... All right. It's all right. It's still only money. And we can borrow it somewhere. I've tried a hundred places in the past two months. There's no one left to borrow from. Well, there is the policy on my life. Well, don't say such a thing. Maybe I wished it, but I, I, I've been out of my mind with worry. I, I don't want it that way now. Not when I know you'll stick by me. Of course I'll stick by you. I don't know. Maybe it has to be this way to bring us together again. I have friends. We will What time is it? But never mind. Margie, don't move from here. I'll be right back. William! Hello? Norman, Mrs. Bennett. Oh, I'm so glad you called. I'm glad you're there to get my call. Nonsense, Mr. Norman. You will be glad to know that your fears were completely unjustified. Look, I've got my friend, Lieutenant Fagg. No, 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 no. I just told you there's no need for that. William and I have talked things over, and it's only a little money trouble, and we can weather that. 
Are you sure? Positively. It's only money, and money is nothing. Where's your husband now? Well, that isn't important. Now, please, please, Mr. Nolan. I do appreciate your concern, but there's no need for it anymore. William and I will be all right, and there is simply nothing, nothing at all to what you suspect. Well, if you say so. I do say so. And thanks again for your kindness, and now I've got to say goodbye. We've got to go. For where? Save the questions. There's no time. No time for what? Please, Margie. He'll be here any minute. Oh. Please. Ed Garson? <laughs> yes, Garson. Then you did hire him to kill me. I told you I did. You did not. All right. Not in so many words. But there's no time to quibble about that. It's almost nine. <gasps> oh, William. Is this my anniversary present? Can't you believe I've changed my mind? Yes, I wanted the insurance money, but I don't want it that way anymore. Now, I just tried to call Garson. He's gone. He's on his way here. Please, please, Margie, we've got to leave right now. And how do I know that you are not bringing me to him? Oh, please, please believe me. Everything's changed. I swear it. As long as I know you'll stand by me, I'm not afraid of facing anything. I tell you, I've been out of my head. I, I even had a crazy plan worked up to kill Garson after he killed you. I'd make it look like he was a burglar. I was mad, out of my head. We've got to go now, Margie. Garson will be here any minute. Wrong <gasps> chance, chum. Garson is here. Me and my little gun here says nobody goes anywhere. Now listen, Garson, you talk only when I say you talk, right? Why, what a real nice scene that was. Just like in the movies. Good sound, good picture. You got my interest, chum. Garson, you crumb. You punk. Pull a double cross on me. On me. It, it, it was all a mistake. The biggest mistake you ever made, chum. You got your money. There's no harm done. I call the whole thing off. Keep the money. Floor plan and everything. No wonder you wanted it done here in the house. Where'd you figure to hit me? But please, Garson. You got the money. There's no need to go through with it. Please! I said, where were you going to give it to me? And I'm not asking a third time. I, I don't know. Wherever I happen to see... Like you just happened to come home, huh? Yes, yes. Why, you lousy... Please, Mr. Garson. You must leave us alone. Lady, I'm going to leave you both alone. No. Oh, no! Drop, Margie. Drop to the floor! Ah! Oh! No! 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 You shot her! You shot her! You too, chum! Murderer! Uh, uh. Mrs. Bennett, Mrs. Bennett. Oh, oh, oh. Margie, you're hurt. You're badly hurt. It, 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 it's not there. It's not there. You'll be all right. Please be all right. I tried to warn her. I tried to warn her. You'll be all right. Please be all right. If I can just find what I want. Uh-huh. What's that? That piece of paper. A diagram of the house. Found it on Garson's body. A diagram of the house which you gave him. What are you talking about? You hired Garson to kill your wife. No. Don't tell me no. I saw you. Yes, I hired him, yes, but I changed my mind. You've got to believe me. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. Margie, tell him I changed my mind. It's so unfair. So unfair. Oh, don't leave me now, Margie. You've got to tell him I changed my mind. <laughs> Open your eyes, Margie. Dead, Dennis. Now see you get the book thrown at you. Everything the law calls for. 
including murder. radio show for this week. I'll be back next Tuesday with another hour. In between now and then, you can find more from Theater 5, Radio City Playhouse, past episodes of this podcast, all the other Relic Radio shows, and thousands of episodes to listen to at relicradio.com. Our Shoutcast stream is up and running there as well with even more old-time radio, all available for free thanks to your support. If you'd like to help out, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links on the website. Your support makes it all happen. Thanks to those who have. Thanks for joining me today. Be back next Tuesday with another hour of the Relic Radio Show.